Good morning, baseball fans, and welcome to the 85th episode of the Morning Round Trip Podcast. My name is Drew Frank, joined by my co-host, Liam Crothers. Hello and good morning. We're here on October 2nd, and the top story from the baseball world is that the Oakland A's advance past the White Sox to face the Houston Astros. They're not alone. The Dodgers sweep the Brewers in two games. We'll wait to see who they face. And Atlanta, they're in a similar situation. They knock off Cincinnati, take both games in a row, and we're still waiting on their opponent. But we do know the matchups in the American League. It'll be AL East versus AL East as Tampa and New York go head-to-head, and AL West versus AL West as the Astros and Houston go head-to-heads. My question to you is right off the bat, with how close we saw the AL Central, all three teams looking like legit contenders, how surprised are we that all three of them are already eliminated? I think based on the matchups that we saw heading into the postseason, maybe you expected Cleveland to not come away the winners of their series against the New York Yankees, but I thought the Minnesota Twins definitely had a chance to make a little bit more noise in the postseason, and I mean, as for the Chicago White Sox, I thought they played a really strong series, but some managerial decisions in that third game ended up being their downfall, I believe, so... I think it's definitely surprising that no one of those three American League Central teams ended up making it past the wildcard round. Yeah, the White Sox, they came the closest. We'll get to them and their Game 3 yesterday shortly. But the one last piece of news I want to throw out there, Rob Manfred said yesterday on John Heyman's podcast that the rule they added for 2020 that's most likely to stick around permanently is the runner on second base to start extra innings. It's not going to be the seven-inning doubleheaders. It's not going to be the universal DH. It could be multiple, but he said just looking at what they know now, it's most likely the runner on second in extras remains. What do you think about this? I mean, we've seen games finish more quickly, that's for sure. It definitely adds some more excitement. And we see a little bit more small ball being played in extra innings because of that automatic runner on second. Personally, I don't know. I'm sure that baseball purists will have a problem with it as they do most things that change in the game. For me, though, it speeds things up, makes things more interesting in extra innings and sort of adds that new element of every pitch, meaning just that much more. And we've seen so far in the postseason that when things get to extra innings, they tend to drag on a little bit. We haven't really seen the run production that we're used to right off the bat. So Personally, I don't mind that it's going to be sticking around most likely for the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's what we have to do to prevent the universal DH, I mean, that's a trade-off I guess I can stomach. I'm hoping we don't see them sneak in the postseason format or anything like that, but I guess time will tell. But speaking about that format, we saw the Reds get, I think it's safe to say, the short end of the stick. I mean... I think if this game was a seven-game series, it would be extremely entertaining. Had two really good games. Unfortunately for the Reds, it's just the lack of offense. They lose five to nothing yesterday as Ian Anderson just completely shuts them down. Atlanta, they win. They move on. It's their first series win since 2001. They're waiting for the winner of the Miami and Cubs series that had a rain delay. That's still going on. We'll get to that. But... This game, it was close all the way through. Castillo was good. Anderson was even better. It was just, end of the day, the Reds didn't hit. 
Yeah, and that was the case yesterday, and it continues to be the case today. We had talked about on the show multiple times that they rely on the long ball just about as much as anybody, up over 60% for run production coming via the home run. How about this? The 2020 Reds are just the second team since 1921 to record zero runs in their first two playoff games. The team that they join are the 2018 Atlanta Braves. That's a really weird stat. I think it's pretty cool that they ended up playing them. I think it's even cooler that we had two incredible pitchers duels through what was a really, really promising series. And I mean, like you said, I'd love to see this thing go seven. I would be really interested to see how the pitching matchups would unfold, to see if Trevor Bauer maybe makes another appearance, if Sonny Gray makes another appearance, maybe on some short rest. I, but for Cincinnati, just really, really rough go. 12 up, 12 down from the 6th to the ninth inning. Not a single base runner. Ian Anderson shut them down, and the bullpen did exactly the same thing. It's rough for Cincinnati, but now the question becomes, what do you do about Trevor Bauer? Well, it's tough for them because the pitching wasn't the problem, and now you got to address it regardless. The Bauer likely adds to free agency. So many teams, if he does just sign a one-year deal, could use him and not have to commit long-term. We'll see. Atlanta, the team that they, they beat, they might be one of those teams as they have so many young players that haven't had those big contracts yet if they want to try and compete again. But that'll also probably depend on how far their playoff run goes. They're sitting off, waiting, and they'll be watching today to see what happens between Miami and Chicago because that series is not over yet. They're having Game 2 today because yesterday was rained out. We were supposed to see Darvish and Sixto Sanchez yesterday. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. The weather looks clear, though, so expect to see games today and games tomorrow if necessary. But we'll get to that. Next up, the Oakland A's beat the White Sox 6-4. We mentioned they punched their ticket to face the Astros. But for me, the big story here is the pitching decisions for the White Sox. Because if you look at the starters, on paper, it's Dane Dunning versus Mike Fiers. But between them, they combined to get just seven outs. Dunning only gets the first two outs of the game. Fiers only goes one and two thirds. And that's it. It was basically a bullpen day. And my question is, you know if you're the White Sox, Oakland has a way better bullpen. Why would you engage in a bullpen day on the final game of the season, potentially, if you've got a couple guys you could go to to try and trust long-term, like Dane Dunning, for example? Why do you give him such a short leash? Short answer, I don't know. Long answer, I don't know. Ricky Renteria is going to have some questions asked of him because of the way he decided to handle his pitching in this game. You mentioned that it was a bullpen day for both teams. 17 total pitchers used for both sides, the most ever in a nine-inning postseason game. I mean, we're just continuing to break records here in the 2020s. It's going to be insane. I, it, Like you said, though, just why do you leave Dunning out there for two-thirds of an inning? I don't know, because you're afraid to face Matt Olson in the first inning. I mean, if you give up a run in the first, it's not a huge deal. You have an offense that has the ability to put up runs. It's very, very strange to me. Some unfortunate news because we saw Garrett Crochet end up getting pulled due to what was labeled as forearm tightness. And, you know, that's not really ever something you want to hear about a pitcher, especially when it comes in his pitching arm. I mean, he wasn't touching 100, and I guess that raised enough red flags for them, but just... 
all kinds of pitching changes. This game took forever, more than four hours and change by the time it finished. But the Oakland Athletics come out victorious, and another team from the American League Central isn't able to advance in the postseason, and it'll be two teams in the AL West taking each other on as the Athletics play the Astros. I think for me, it's just simply, if you're going to go to a guy like, for example, Carlos Rodon is a guy that I am not putting anywhere near an elimination game if I'm the White Sox. But if if you want to try and bring a guy like that out of the pen, why not start with a reliever, go with an opener, and then try and go to Dunning 2-3-4 or something like that. Give him some innings in the middle of the game just to get some relief for a pen. Here, they stretched themselves just a little bit too thin. By the time the middle innings came around, Oakland was able to rally. Four in the fourth, two more in the fifth, and that was it because they take a 6-4 lead. And we mentioned earlier, their bullpen is very strong. They lock it down. After Frankie Montes comes out of the game in the fifth, there is not another run scored at all. Lots of pitching, lots of back and forth. Liam Hendricks, I think, deserves a shout-out after going 49 pitches the day before. He comes yesterday, strikes out the side to end it, and Oakland advances. Interesting game. Another series. I feel like we could have benefited from seeing a little bit more length to it. Very dynamic offenses. But Oakland, at the end of the day, congratulations because it was due for them to finally have some postseason success. We talked about runs coming at a premium in that game. How about this? San Diego beats the St. Louis Cardinals in game two, 11 to 9. Oh man, this game was a whole lot different from what we saw out in Oakland, California. Just a bit of a ways south along California's coastline. You end up in San Diego, and the bats were going for both teams. The Padres started out this game bottom first before their bats had even come to the plate, down 4 nothing for the second time in consecutive days. Nine barrels from both teams, a bunch of home runs, some short stints from a bunch of pitchers. San Diego with an incredible comeback, man. There was a ton to unpack from this game. And by far the highest scoring game we've seen, I think for me, the the easiest way to kind of explain this, because there were a lot of pitchers going through this one, you look at the bullpen stats and four and two thirds inning pitched from St. Louis with nine earned, seven innings pitched from San Diego with three earned. This game started out in St. Louis's favor, Wainwright outpitched Davies, and I'll get to that later, but that's not a great sign either. The bullpen came in and was able to pitch well. In this game, you mentioned big offense. It was the Stars, Tatis, and Myers. But what I want to get to about Davies is because, sure, you got to win tomorrow. It's We're probably going to see a whole lot of bullpen because they don't necessarily have a, a third guy to go to. I think this is a, a disappointing and troubling start. Davies only goes two innings with four and runs allowed. And... If you're without Clevenger and you're without Lamette and Davies is struggling, we saw Paddock struggle yesterday. If they find a win today, they face the Dodgers. So they have to try and figure out something with their pitching. And you better hope for something special from a guy like Morahan or whoever might come out today because things have been bleak from the Padres on the pitching side of things. And it's not going to be easy because they're supposed to take on Jack Flaherty, a guy who, since the All-Star break last year, we know that he's got the potential to put up some big, big numbers on the mound. 
wasn't really on his game so much this year, and maybe you can chalk that up to a couple of different things. We saw some very short starts from him, but I'm sure that St. Louis wants to get more length out of him in this game. Uh, but against an offense like San Diego, man, maybe you're just trying to swing your way out of things. It doesn't matter how much you go down because you can always put up more runs than the other team. That was the way that it rocked for them during the regular season. But during the regular season, it did help a little bit to have a guy like Cy Young contender Denelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger going for you. I don't know what their answer is in this series. I don't know what their answer is if they do end up advancing to the divisional series and playing the Dodgers because the Dodgers are spoilt for pitching depth. We've talked about it at length before. I don't know if the Padres come out winners on this day. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to approach things against Los Angeles, but they have to get there first. And it will be against Los Angeles, who mentioned a handful of times. They officially have beaten the Milwaukee Brewers 3 to nothing. take the series 2 to nothing. And this game is pretty tough for Milwaukee because all three runs come in the fifth inning, and all three runs could have been prevented. First and second, one out, ground ball to third base. Urias steps on third for the first out, throws across the diamonds a little bit low. It's in the dirt. Jerko unable to scoop it. Runners safe, and then all three runners on base come around to score. That would have ended the inning with a clean scoop or a higher throw. Unfortunately, those three runs were the only runs that would score all game. Woodruff, before that, very strong. Pitches five and two-thirds with nine strikeouts and no walks. On the other side of things, believe it or not, Kershaw, even better. Eight innings pitched, no runs allowed. Pitches the vast majority of the Dodgers combined shutout. Hands things off to Bruce Star Gratterall in the ninth, and they get it done. Hater pitched in this one, looked good. But for the Brewers, it wasn't the pitching that was the problem. It was similar to the Reds. They just didn't have an answer for this Dodgers pitching staff. You ran into Clayton Kershaw on one of his best days, and I think that's all the explanation you need. 13 strikeouts on 93 pitches. It's the third most in a Dodgers game in postseason history behind two guys, Sandy Koufax and Carl Erskine. Koufax put up 15 strikeouts in 63, and Erskine put up 14 strikeouts in 53. Those guys are a long way gone from the fields out in Dodger Stadium. Clayton Kershaw, though, he's no stranger to postseason baseball in Los Angeles. This is his 10th postseason with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and get this, no pitcher in Major League history has gone through 10 postseasons without winning a ring. This is Kershaw's 10th go at it. If he doesn't get it here, he becomes the only guy to go that many seasons without a ring. I mean, for his sake, you hope that he gets it. A former Cy Young winner who's come so close to winning it on multiple occasions. I mean, he was incredible in this game. And every single one of his strikeouts came via the breaking ball. The 13, he had 10 on the slider and 3 on the curveball. He was untouchable. He and his team will head to Texas and await their opponents, and they'll know their opponent today. Game 3 goes between St. Louis and San Diego. Someone will be advancing. Someone will be eliminated. As you mentioned, it's Flair the Unmount for St. Louis. We haven't heard an announced starter for San Diego. 
I'm thinking it's probably going to be a combination of guys. We've seen that they have a handful of piggyback type starters that'll go maybe two or three innings, followed by another guy to the three innings. I mentioned Morahan, maybe Luis Patino, a couple other guys there. That game goes tonight at 7.08 p.m. I think in this one, I like the Padres. They're hot. And if this was last season with how hot Flaherty was at the end of the year then, I think I'd go with the Cardinals. It's just he hasn't been rock solid enough for me to trust him. Padres, they got the momentum. They, of course, have home field advantage. I I think I've got to go with them in this one. I'm right there with you. I go with the Padres in this one as well. And you mentioned that they were hot. The sentiment that was echoed in the Padres clubhouse after the game was that they just needed that spark. After game one, after being held down with no home runs, it felt like they were battling. It felt like they were out of it. But that one spark, you get that one moment of inspiration. You get those home runs. Your offense explodes. We could see it. As soon as Manny Machado hit that home run, you could tell that there was a different energy in the ballpark. You could tell there was a different energy in that dugout and the Padres are riding hot. And like you said, Flaherty hasn't been the guy that we expected him to be on the season. I go Padres over Redbirds. And the other game that was washed away yesterday, Sanchez, Darvish, Marlins, Cubs, Miami. I I think if you're them, you almost would have rather just played yesterday. You you have the momentum from a 5-1 win. You've got your star young righty on the mounds. The Cubs, they have a little bit of time off. They get to regroup, recover. They've got Darvish going today. And this is only game two because they, they, they are a little bit behind everyone else. Game three would be tomorrow if needed. My question is, will it be needed? I think so. The Chicago Cubs ball club is pretty similar to the one that we saw in 2016. And obviously we know that a 17 minute rain delay can change things for them. I wonder how much another day off is going to do. It's a veteran team. They've got a lot of guys who are going to be able to rally the clubhouse. And I know that their offense has more potential than they showed in game one. It's just going to be a matter of getting to Sixto Sanchez early, because if you don't do that, you're going to need to wait it out until you get to the bullpen and hope that you Darvish performs like he has all season long for you I go Cubbies over Miami they're pushing it to game three and I'll take Miami in this one I still think they would have been better off playing yesterday but Sixto Sanchez it seems from what we've what we've seen from him it's either you have an answer to him and you hit him for two three four runs or you don't and you get completely shut down I think in this one, I I like Miami. I do think this is going to be insanely close. If the Cubs do come away with it, it could be a blowout. Because like I said, if they have an answer for Sanchez, it could be over quickly. But I still trust Miami here. They're up 1-0 in the series. Even if they don't win this one, I like them advancing. And I think that's what we will see happen. That game goes at 2 p.m. Eastern. The other game, the Padres-Cardinals game, that goes tonight at 7, 10 p.m. Eastern. And I gotta say, I'm kind of hoping that the Cubs do win this game and force a game three because if they don't, there'll be no baseball this weekend. No game scheduled tomorrow right now. No game scheduled Sunday as everyone moves to their respective bubbles. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's a very interesting postseason setup. The teams do get some days off. Now, finally, a little bit of rest, especially if the Cardinals make it through. This will feel rare for them. But a weird format, and we'll see what happens here. 
But that's all the time we've got for today. You can find us on Twitter at Trip Morning, and you can find us on Instagram at Morning Round Trip. We'll be right back here tomorrow covering all the games, previewing the NLDSs once we have those matchups and everything else that you'll have to know from the world of baseball. For Drew Frank and Liam Carruthers, thank you for listening and have a great day.